Welcome back to another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain. It is early July of 2022. I am just back from uh, a semi-paternity leave, a couple weeks off. Uh, We had our son, a healthy baby boy, uh, in June. So uh, exciting time for my wife and I. uh, Bob, I'm coming to you, you know, uh, lighter but heavier on coffee. I've had, you know, <laughs> at least my five cups a day, whatever, whatever I'm at now. Um, so for today's episode, we've got Bob London with us. Bob is, a, uh, I'd like to say, you know, a, a friend over the years now. We've we've gotten to know Bob probably since 2018, I believe now, uh, 2017. Holy so um, it's been a, been a number of years. And uh, this will be Bob's third episode on Gangar Attain, which is very fun. You are you're the first guest to have a trifecta. So okay. um, Bob That's flattering. Very flattering. Yeah. Welcome, welcome back. Where are you coming to us today in this uh lovely summertime? I am just outside of Washington DC in a little, and don't hold that against me. Um <laughs> in a little hamlet called Potomac, Maryland, not far from the Potomac River. And uh yeah, it's great to see you, Jeff. And uh, thanks for having me. I'm I am honored, actually. And I said, as I said off off camera, off mic, you you and Jay and the team have uh, been a great um, supporters. Uh, I think I referred to it as a kick in the butt for me when I didn't realize what I was sitting on in terms of the value that I could offer customer success. So I owe you guys a lot, and I'll, I'll say that again and again. So I appreciate that, and well, congratulations on Caleb. Thank you. Yeah, well, you're you're doing all the hard work. So, um, and for those those that don't know, uh, Bob leads his own company and um, gets to do a ton of work in the B two B world, in the SaaS world, technology world, kind of uh, all around. But he's done a ton of work from uh, kind of brand and marketing, and uh, and I would say you know the the big part which we uh, you know uh, tried to help make. The connection for Bob is that a lot of his work can be influential in the customer success space. So, um, a lot of his content that's out there now, if you go to Chief Listening Officers, um, that's out there. If you go to Bob London on LinkedIn, he's always talking about techniques and ways um, to make sure that we're listening to customers, that we're having the right conversations, um, that we're trying to do things that will impact our customers in positive ways. And so, um, tons of good content. And uh, so, Bob. Yeah, couple of uh, icebreakers. I didn't tell you. I did not tell you about them. So uh, I'm going to ask him. These are kind of my answer to all icebreaker questions is the Sopranos. (laughs) There's three. (laughs) I'm not kidding. There's uh, there's three quick icebreakers. Um, The first one you you've already figured out. It's actually it's not very stealth. It's part of my uh, sequence for getting guests. But um, if you had to create your own community around like a hobby or passion, what would it be about? And I think you're going to answer the Sopranos, but you can confirm. Are you going to answer the Sopranos? I think so. I think so. I mean, I, it's just ridiculous how um, how much I I love that show and how, how many lessons I've gotten from it, both from a sort of um, creator perspective, but also from a business perspective. But yeah, I'm just, a, and, and I've infected my two, my both of my sons with the same <laughs> love. So I think they'd be the first two community members if I had to guess. I love it. Um, <laughs> all right, second question. How would Bob London describe his perfect Sunday morning? Um, uh, sitting and doing nothing except having coffee with my wife, which we do at least once a weekend um 
and uh, planning a bike ride later that day. Nice. Yeah, I got a nice new bike and uh, I'm very excited about that. It's a big deal. How's, how's the weather this time of year for uh, for bike rides? Is it a little too Good. warm or is it? No, no. I mean, we, so uh, we're fortunate in this area that it's, there are a lot of woods and trees and so we can find places where it's shaded and that takes, um, that takes a, it just makes it less laborious. Yeah. Uh, laborious, excuse me. Um, uh, yeah. Being out in the hot sun in DC, as you can imagine, well, I know you, where you are, right? Yeah. It's the same and it's human here and everything. So coffee, um, bike ride, um, wood, something woods related is really nice. I, I like it. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, my routines have changed a little bit in the last three weeks. Um, but I would say <laughs> Saturdays and Sunday mornings, I've been trying to, I've, I've been trying to get up my, uh, early and let my wife have a reprieve, um, to give her a couple hours of sleep. So Caleb and I have been enjoying some 5am, uh, walks outside or, nice. uh, some 5am, I'm drinking coffee. I'm trying to get him to sleep uh, while I'm on the couch and maybe turning on uh, this past couple of weeks was Wimbled- Wimbledon was on. So I was trying to watch oh, some, yeah. uh, tennis and uh, now there's the, uh, the British open or the open for golf. So I'll probably try and watch some of that this morning, uh, maybe or oh, on great. the weekend mornings coming up. So, uh, so another tip is uh, for, I don't uh, formula one. Oh which yeah. Is, uh, the grand prix races are on sun, usually Sunday mornings as well. Yeah. And for those, just a little pro tip. So there's a, an, on Netflix, there's a show, I think it's called need for speed. Drive to survive. Drive, excuse me. There you go. I, I thought, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know, like I know where you're of, going. I thought it sounded like too much of a shape. Anyway, <laughs> it's just a great, it's a reality show about what goes on behind the scenes of these races and, and the teams. And it's, it's great. A lot of lessons for business and communication and personal and it's fun. Sounds it like was, seen it. I, I, so during the pandemic, I started watching that and it got me like hugely into formula one. It's so cool. Like yeah. it's such a fun, uh, like the team aspect, you know, like you said, there's all these, um, decisions and things that are happening in these, like, you kind of just think of it as like, oh, they're just doing practice or, oh, they're just doing qualifying. And it's like, no, there's a lot of decisions that go into that, that help yeah. them for race day. And so it's, yeah, it's been pretty cool to watch that. So, um, well, interesting too, because the CEO of the team is at is at work he's yeah, yeah. doing yeah. the race you know it's and he's he's got the headset on so it's just yeah <laughs> that is funny all right last <laughs> last icebreaker for you and then we'll uh we'll jump into the the real content um but what is something that you cannot live without could be a person could be uh you know an item could be you know the cliche is like your family so i would just say maybe not them but you know, what's something yeah. that you feel like, man, I, you know, I, I just love this too much. I can't live without it. Um, you know, that's a really good question. Um, I would say, I mean, I know it sounds like another cliche, but coffee, I, I ultimately <laughs> I can live without that, you know, honestly, I, I think my health, um, I, and I, I've never thought of that before, but it's such a good question that as one gets older, um, I mean, look, I'm in the last quadrant, let's say of my working life, you know, you just become more conscious of like, man, I want to stay reasonably active and healthy so I can enjoy the last however many decades on earth. So I would say, I mean, I, you literally can't live without your health. So I guess that's <laughs> not fair. But I like I it. Think it I, I, my perspective is different than it was 10 or 15 years ago, you know? Hey. Um, then the other answer is the Sopranos. <laughs> 
I like that. You really wrapped up uh, coffee and Sopranos in all three answers. I like it. Um, right. But yeah, that's. I've never, I actually haven't had somebody think about it like that. Appreciate the the answer. It's a good perspective and way to think about. You know, hey, we got many more years here. We got to make sure well, we like, uh, you, we're here for all of them. I mean, when you well, especially when you know we're all, we're all surrounded by people who have different challenges and health issues and whatever. And you just, you just, it doesn't matter the age actually. And you just kind of go, huh, we've been really lucky. And uh, so maybe that's what I should say. It's the thing I can't live without is my luck. (laughs) I think I just probably jinxed it actually. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Good question. All right. Well, let's jump in. Um, This is, you know, again, this is your third time being on here. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's, probably under this, the same guys that we've had, you know, the last, last couple of times. Um, but I, I still think it's something that we come across often and that is super relevant to customer teams that are out there. And it's largely around, you know, how do you have great conversations with customers that give you real insights? And, you know, I think that's kind of the guys that are the, uh, the topic that we'll, we'll kind of go down before, but I think there's two things that have come to mind for me as I, I've thought about this. One is, um, I now have been buying tons of software uh, in the past two years, three years in the roles that I've been in. And let me tell you, I still have not, I've, I think I've, um, I just counted up in my head. I think there's about six or seven products that I've kind of been the champion on. I've been the person who's making the buying decision um, and I have not had one great kind of uh, conversation about, hey, what are we trying to accomplish? How they're going to partner with us? It always feels like I'm kind of pulling uh, our vendors to do that with me. And so that's just one perspective that I'm I'm thinking about right now. And the second is, um, is that I always think when we, if you look in our community now, there's tons of conversations and, and threads that happen where people are saying, how do I reach the executives of our, uh, you know, of my customer? How do I get to that type of person? And so um, I think for me, maybe a natural place to start is how do you, you know, when you're looking at that, how do you um, look across to your customer and say, hey, we need to have an executive or strategic level conversation. Um, how do you help in your mind? How do you help people or teams um, think about, okay, yeah, we have to go accomplish that, but like, how do we make that valuable for our customer? How do we make them actually want to come to the table? Is there anything that comes to mind for you as you think about like, hey, how do I get my customer and the executives to really actually want to come and have yeah. a seat at that table with me? Well, so I think um, I know that I, 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 I should say, or I might be expected to say, like, how do we make it valuable for them? I actually think it's how do you make it interesting for them? And how do you, so in other words, um, and I, this is something that I didn't realize when I first started doing this kind of work is, you know, there's so many different things we do that become cliches and routines with our customers. And I'll tell you that just I'll pick on the QBR as as being one of them. It's not something people necessarily look forward to. And I think one of the reasons is because we're, we're, we're asking customers to talk about us. Like, what do you think about us? Yes. We say it's about their outcomes and everything, but ultimately they're coming to the table because with some is sort of like, okay, it's like a, it's like giving an employee review. You know, you have to tell someone something and, um, what I've tried to do is tell people to think of it as no, invite them to the table to talk about them themselves, yep. independent of what we sell. Now that's not a QBR. Um, but one of the most, <laughs> I guess, must have been the most interesting posts I ever did on LinkedIn was that the I said, try using the subject line 
this is not a QBR. <laughs> so, let, so like that's the most disruptive thing you can do these days is to say, I know I've asked you for a lot of coming to these meetings that seem to be very agenda driven and very, but what if we just sit down and uh, the phrase that seems to have been picked up among the teams that I work with on, on this topic is we just want to take a little step back with you. Yeah. Will you take a step back with us? All that means is we just have a few open-ended questions and they're, they're not about us. They're about your business and, and your market, where you're headed. And if you can capture the essence of that in an invitation, which I think I have captured um, and I'm happy to share, it's, it's on my other website, um, that, that, that just basically says, this is not a normal conversation. This is about, we wanna understand you yeah. and, and taking a step back so that seems to break through the, that seems to disrupt the thought process enough to get people to say, okay, well, I, we could do that. The, and you can also do it inside of the call. So you, I have some little talk tracks and say like, hey, before we get too far into the call, if we have 10 minutes left, we just were hoping to ask, take a little step back and ask a few questions to understand your world. Yeah. Your world. And it doesn't have to be, layered in business speak and jargon. In fact, it shouldn't be. It yeah. this should be because um, I think what I'm hearing from CSMs and their leaders is we just want to be, we just want to have like a little bit more real, authentic conversations, you know? Yeah. And and the the way to do that is not to make it sound like every other conversation. There are does that make sense? Does this it make does. Sense? Yeah. Yeah. There's a, and there's a couple things that maybe I would pull out of that. Um that I've seen work well, and I think go down the same path. So, so one is, I think a lot of times what tends to happen is you focus so much on the slides that you build, right? And it's about the past when you really look at it, right? It's about things that have already happened that are almost actually almost all out of our control because it's already happened. So it's, hey, we're looking at something that's already been done and over with. And so uh, what I've tried to encourage our teams and you know what I've tried to encourage people that I talk to, leaders that are out there is, Get your teams to try and to condense that information down into the most important points, you know, two to three slides, whatever it might be, and send that ahead of time. I don't actually want to look at those slides together because it also is a little bit condescending, right? Hey, we're going to review this chart together because I didn't build a slide well enough that you could actually discern the right information, right? If right. everything is if everything is is in this idea of like I have to add more context to the slide, I need to be able to explain something. Like that's when you start to lose yourself. So I think just. How can you get those slides out ahead of time? Um, and it, and because I think it goes down the realm, right? If I actually get the past into your hands earlier, we spend the first 10 minutes saying, hey, do you have any That's questions brilliant. about those slides? Right now it sets it up. I think just like you mentioned, now it sets That's it up a for a great idea. Hey, I'm going to steal that. Hey, we have, you know, we've got three or four questions that we want to walk through. Um, so I think just getting the slides out ahead of time to your, to your um, uh, other leaders on the, on the other side. I would say the the second thing that comes to mind for me as well is that almost all of the slides that we build tend to be built by the CSM by ourselves. And as much as we say, Hey, we're going to clap. Hey, Bob, you're my customer. You're my day-to-day contact. I'm going to collaborate with you on these slides. Right. It never happens. And so I think just, you, we have to, we have to convince ourselves and get into this mindset of, Hey, Bob needs to be building the slide with me. And that doesn't mean I'm going to try and put, you know, erroneous work on your plate. But if I can get you to help me build a slide, you're much more uh, excited about pushing it internally to your teams. You're much more excited about showing it to your boss. You're much more excited about um, what what it actually says, right? And so if we can do that together in a, in a true way, we actually can build it together. Um, again, it, it 
alleviates us from having to come in and explain ourselves and defend why you should buy our product. And it keeps us out of the, Hey, me, me, me speak, which I think you were alluding to earlier. Um, yeah. And Self, then the I, call it, I used to call it selfie style marketing, but it's selfie yeah. style. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the third point that, it, that this just brings to mind for me as well. Uh, and I, I'm actually kind of going back and maybe just reiterating a point that you said, which is make it interesting. Like I've actually over the past three to four months, what I've been trying to think of is like, how can I zig when everyone else zags, right? Everyone calls yeah. it a QBR. How do I call it something different? Everybody comes with slides. How do I send the slides ahead of time? Everybody, you know, has the same shtick, you know, mm-hmm. Hey, let's do this quarterly. Let's. So I just think just to your point, right. How do you actually make that interesting? And so, um, I would say what, what has tended to happen as well is that we've shied away from doing group activities because, what tends to happen is you try and do a group activity and it goes poorly and you say, oh, it's just not valuable for anybody. So we're going to scrap the whole thing. When in essence, you actually should get back into this. Hey, we need to be collaborating with one another. We need to be like people want this interaction. Um, so how can we do it really great virtually? And if I can lead a great session um, around key activities or things that we need to get out of it, then that can be can be great. And again, that, that doesn't mean like, hey, you know, what are your goals for this year? And let's collaborate on that, right? Those are, those should already be baked out. Like they, they should already have those. We should already be understanding what those are. And maybe part of the call is that, Hey, you can help us understand what those are. Um, but I just think like, you got to make it interesting. You got to make it fun. Everybody sits on zoom calls 24 hours a day now. Like it just is a part of our life. And so if you can make it um, something that I'm not expecting it, it, I think it's a good thing almost. I, I think it's like, Hey, if I, if I showed up and they said, Hey, we're going to, um, lead these group exercises around these core activities. Um, I'd be like, man, this is fun. I'm, I'm not, I don't do this every day. It's not part of my day-to-day routine. So I think it'd be pretty fun to do something that's outside of my, my comfort zone. So that's a long, I love the, I love this. I love, this is why I really, one of the reasons I was looking forward to this and I really respect you and always have is because of the zig versus zag. And, and I think that we, we all go down this path that's been formed it, it's all fiction, right? It just gets for, like, there's no rule that says, here's what the meeting should be. And here's what should be on the slides. And you have to go through each slide. You, the slides are my, one of my big bugaboos, the other being the agenda, because that's what strangles conversation. Yeah. It's yeah. really, it's bad. So I love what you're saying. Couple, just to riff off of that real quick. Yeah. Sending slides in advance is so smart. And your point about slides not being intuitive. So, and, and it's hard to do. But one thing that I've done a lot, and I've done it with um, when I send proposals, I do a three to five minute little screen capture video. I was just about to say that. Yeah. Because my client has never seen a proposal like this before. It's from me. It's unique. Yeah. It's not in a template that they've seen. So I go, look, hey, let me just walk you through a couple quick things. Here's the important part. This is this. Here's what I tried to capture. And then, you know, it takes three minutes. I get so much feedback on that. Yeah. Um, is sending that with the slides that because I'm looking at it from their perspective, like what am I opening here? Oh, well, here's a video that kind of just walks me through it. And the slide of the slides, I can then look at the slides. Um the um one of the one of the zags that I've been doing forever, and I can I can explain why, is I don't use video. So I've done 2,600 customer discovery calls with my client's customers. And uh, I I have not done more than a handful on video. They are all audio only because um, I, so, so I get a lot of feedback right in the beginning of the call. Someone will say, so no video? 
Like, no. Uh, well, thanks. <laughs> because, you know, I'm just tired of being on video all the time. Yeah. Does video add any value for your customer? That's the question. And sometimes it doesn't. And so I, I said, great. That's a, that's a, do I need to see their body language? No, I think it's honestly think it's very overrated. Yeah. I think that what you get from it is much more like an, an, a form of intimacy on audio only. Now, I, mine are almost always one on one. So it's different. Yeah, uh, yeah. Perhaps. But so it, it helps with intimacy. Plus, if I can see their body language, they can see mine. And mine's horrible because I'm concentrating and typing notes and thinking. And yeah. I, I just, you know, it's not a pleasant, uh, not a pleasant sight. So, uh, yeah, so that's, that's another zag versus zig thing. And, but I love what you said, I a hundred percent double down on, on what you said. And the last thing I'll mention is the idea of collaborating on the slides is really smart for all the reasons you said. It reminds me of a book that a really good friend of mine wrote. Uh, his name is Ian Altman and he is a globally renowned, uh, sales coach and advisor. I mean, legit. Um, separate from the masses of people you meet in that, in that bucket. <laughs> yeah. And he wrote a book called same side selling, which is one of the more brilliant things I've ever heard because it's the truth is the customers kind of want the same things you do at the end of the day. And no one wants to be in the rowboat alone, like the vendor rowing and rowing against the tide of the customer, you know, get someone in the boat with you, you know, get, get the customer yeah. in the boat with you and see if you can row in the same direction. His is from the standpoint of, pre-sale and during the sale, but it applies just as much here. Yeah. The, uh, and again, keeping this riff going, like, I think the, the point that you made about the three to five minute video um, that I also think that opens the door for is um, much more natural and asynchronous conversation. Like I actually think asynchronous means much more conversational, casual, like it, it seems much more approachable. Right. And we, I still think we have not unlocked like asynchronous work, um, even with all the tools that we have, I just think with customers, we might do it internally, but with customers, we just have not cracked that code. And so I love that point that you made, like, Hey, I'm going to record a three to five minute video that just walks through these slides. And, um, cause then a, they get to see a little bit of your face. Right. And the, but there's no pressure for them to turn their camera on. Right. They're just watching. Right. Um, you kept it short enough where it's not like, Hey, I have to sit down for this 30 minute diatribe or Bob's walking me through every single slide, every single detail. Right. Um, so you've, you've avoided that. And then the third is that you now open it up to, Hey, I'm okay with, you know, we don't always have to be in the same room talking at the same time, right? Hey, I'm, I'm much open to asynchronous work. We can, you know, collaborate on slides like this. We can, you know, go back and forth with audio messages, but it just opens that door where I think it's, hey, we're, like you said, hey, we're in the boat together, actually, right? Like, hey, we're on the same side and, and we can collaborate on these types of things as we go. So I think that's um, such a valuable point too. Um, do you ever use audio text messages, audio messages on text? So, you know, I've started to do it more and more recently. Um, and the reason... Maybe I'll give my reason and see if see if you agree with it or not. But um, I and this is I mean, I've probably been out there saying this, like my calendar fills up way too fast. I think in today's world, I just think everybody's first default is getting to a meeting. Hey, well, let's just get a meeting together. And so what I've tried to do as a practice and this started earlier this year um, is I'll go a week or two in advance and I'll start looking at meetings and I will in a nice, hopefully respectful way. I think I'm respectful, but I'll go and decline that meeting and I'll send an, I'll send a response that says, Hey, I don't think that this needs to be a meeting, or I don't think I need to be there Good. or, Hey, you know, I've, I've got so many other things on my plate that if you want to punt this down the road, we can, or if you need something now, you know, you got to get to me some other way. So in that exercise, what I've actually found to be helpful as well is 
maybe I'll record an audio message that says, Hey, I can't join this meeting, but here are my three to five thoughts on this, or, Hey, Hey, I can't join, but you know, here's my one thing. And so I've been trying to do that as an exercise and that's actually opened the door for people to then actually respond in that way. And so it's created a nice little, um, little bit. I've I've done a little bit more recently. Um, and I, I find it, um, much more enjoyable. And I, I think it goes back to maybe your point too earlier, where like, I'm on Zoom calls with video, I don't know, 90% of my day. So if I can just do something that's short form audio, I'm also just thinking about my future, you know, and I, I'm walking around holding my son, potentially, you know, helping my wife throughout the middle of the day. If I can, you know, hold, if I've got him in like a little baby carrier and I yeah, can record yeah. a quick audio message and get it back. Like, I don't know. I think there's just um, something to it. So that's the way I've I done. I think it's human. I, the reason I brought it up was I have a very dear friend who, um, um, it, you know, someone I met through business who's become a dear friend and she started sending, we, we would text and as a group and then as individuals. And she, then I got an audio text from her, like changed everything for me because it reminded me of humanity and her humanity. And you can hear, you can just hear it's very, very intimate and very cool. And so I started doing it back with her and then with some other people, and uh, I, I just think it's, and so much gets lost in the intent with texting and certainly email. So I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I, I highly suggest people think about that. So, so continuing down this route, kind of the, we'll call it the idea of a QBR, having this strategic conversation. Um, how do we, you know, I think your point earlier was also a, one that I didn't want to slide by either, which is, you know, agendas can be restricting, you know, and I think, I don't think you mean that to be you know, don't have any agenda and walk in and, and, you know, it's like a room full of people staring at each other. Um, so I think, you know, in the conversations that we've had before, I think what you've alluded to is kind of, Hey, have like a loose agenda, right. Of, Hey, here's some of the things that we want to accomplish, but it's not so constricting. that says, Hey, this is five minutes. This is seven minutes. This is 10 minutes. This is 15 minutes. Like that's where it becomes so constricting, but I'm, I'm curious from your standpoint, like how, how do we, you know, come into a room and start asking those, those types of questions that, will actually get us responses that we can absorb, that we can take down, that we can actually go like walk away with and say, hey, there's some real substance here. I mean, I think that, I think there should, I think I advocate for there being some meetings that are, and I used to use this term more, uh, agendaless. Yeah. Um, but there could certainly be portions of scheduled agenda meetings that are agendaless. And yeah, yeah. all it means is, again, it comes back to this sort of just, you know, sort of unstructured play, right? Like, it's like we can create activities and busy time, but then we can have some time where we're just going to explore each other, um, explore what's fun or what's, I'm going to dig in the dirt and see what's down there, you know, as a kid. So I think that if you, and I was trying to allude to this before, it probably wasn't very clear, but I'm a big advocate for setting up meetings that are specifically just to take a step back. That's kind of the business that I'm in yeah. uh, with customers, but it's very possible to carve out that type of space and time in a regular meeting, um, you know, in a, in a QBR, but it takes a little bit of training of the customer to, of how you frame it and position it. Um, and the other thing too, is there are times in the, in the journey or the relationship when it might make more sense than others, especially during the handoff from sales to customer success, onboarding, implementation, um, you know, executive business reviews. And I think that 
I, I, I think what I've learned is once the customer experiences the types of questions and where the conversation goes and how much about them it is, they'll often thank me. Yeah. Um, and I'll say, well, I'm, you don't have to thank me. I'm, you gave me your time and, and they'll say, well, why are you thanking me? And they'll say, well, because just this goes right back to your point. Vendor, we don't have vendor conversations like this. Vendors yeah. aren't doing this with us and they should. Yeah. And I loved what you said at the beginning, if anyone joined us late, uh, you said that you've been buying a lot of software and you, you don't have these vendors initiating strategic conversations and you feel like you have to kind of pull it out of them. And that, I think if I could, if I, if I had a, a mission statement, it would be that every vendor has more strategic conversations like that, you know, more, more frequently so that fewer customers feel like they're just on this transactional habit trail, you know, yeah. uh, that's just a, just very routine, um, you know, just, just like who said it should be like that. No one said that no one, I don't think SAS was envisioned SaaS customer success was envisioned this way. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll dispel one other thing. It doesn't have to be with an executive on the customer side. That's what um, I was about to ask too. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I do get a lot of questions about this and I, you, you alluded to it before. How do you uh, get executives on the, first of all, <clears throat> you owe it to your regular contact to ask them these sort of step back questions. What I've learned is companies in general are doing a much better job of, of, of publishing priorities and mission throughout the organization and engaging their teams on it. So when I ask a systems administrator, so what, what do you think, you know, if I could, if I could sneak into your company's board meeting, what do you think is the big thing? There Oh, well, we're doing an acquisition. And I, I, you know, how do you know that? Well, because they, they didn't tell us who, but, but I know what's going on and, I know that that's taking up a lot of bandwidth right now. Well, that's intelligence that my client who hired me to ask those questions can use. Yeah. It's something any, so, so you get a lot out of asking strategic questions of the day-to-day contact um, about, again, about their company, but about their world. Um, one question I, I, it's on my list, which I'm happy to share, you know, with anybody is, um, you know, if you could, if I said I was going to take away all of the tools and resources you use for, to do your job, which one would you prevent me from taking? You would just go tooth and nail to, to keep. Yeah. And it sheds insight. Okay. The bad news is they didn't pick my tool. Okay. <laughs> but why did they say what they did and what would help our tool be that indispensable and valuable? So all those things are things you don't need to ask an executive about. But if you do want to go to the executive level, which is important, it's you're, you have a better chance of getting there by having that strategic conversation with your contact and then saying to them at the end, how did that, how do you think that was, that was really interesting, actually. Thank you. Yeah. What would you think about us having the conversation with other people in your organization? You know, I think that would be really interesting. Um, the other way to do it is to have the, the request come from your executive leadership. So if Jeff, if you were a CSM, it would come from the chief customer officer saying, hey, we're, we're really trying to understand our customers at a different level. We'd love to have a step back with you. I'm copying your CSM, Jeff. And would you be willing to set up some time with him to chat? And it's just a much more open-ended, free-form conversation. The, the, the open rates and the, and the, the uh, um, close rates on those, uh, the conversion rates on those emails are high as heck. Like two oh, my gosh, yeah. 
the the point I was actually I'm so glad you went there is that um because I was gonna ask this and also um uh, I think at least right now my perspective is very similar to yours, which is um a lot of times we immediately assume that our data can't have a strategic conversation. And we make that assumption because of, you know, I don't know, old school thinking, whatever it might be, right? Where we say, hey, well, it has to be with the executive. And um, and so oftentimes you you immediately say, hey, Bob, you know, I'd love to just have a conversation with your executive. And then, the you know, you're sitting there saying, well, why? You know, why can't you have it with me? And then I say, well, I need right. a strategic conversation. And you say, well, God, how does that make you feel, right? As my day-to-day pretty contact. Insulting. Yeah, pretty, pretty insulting. insulting. And, and so just to your point too, like you're, I just, I, I always think about um, this idea of this, of change management. And it's like the first thing you do, and you've mentioned this earlier, is you got to get somebody in the boat with you. And it's like, if I go to Bob and I, like you said, if I start initiating that, that conversation that says, Hey, let's have a couple of these open-ended questions, um, you know, three or four questions. We, you know, we kind of get through some of those. Um, you're much more willing to then say, Hey, Hey, Bob, you mind if we go bounce these off of your, you know, some other people on your team to make sure we're all in the line or, Hey, you know, I want to bring my executive team into this. This was really insightful. You know, who can you bring from your side? It just creates a, such a different dialogue than just, Hey, can you introduce me to your VP or, Hey, can you introduce me to your, you know, C-level, whatever it might be. So um, I'm glad you brought that point up though. Cause I do think that people just gloss over that so many times. Yeah. I, I, I think, I, I, I appreciate that. And I, I, I get it. Right. I mean, I know that there are reasons why you want the customer's executive level to be engaged. There's a lot of reasons. So one of the questions actually in, on my list is it could be a potential bridge into this sort of exec. So it says like, I, I would be asking the customer. So if, if your boss, he or she, they knew we were talking today, what's the one thing they would want to make sure you tell me or ask me. And it's a way to get insight into what conversations are being had about your software when you're not around. And you could even say like, what's the, what's the water cooler chat about our software? Like what's really going on? What is your, what does your boss think? And from that answer could be a, a little bit of a twist to say, you know, it would be interesting to hear, to hear that, to hear if that's the case, you know, and uh, again, without offending and kind of, you know, rendering your contact uh, inert. So, yeah, I, I think there are ways to do it. And, and I'll go back to the point I made before, too, about executives like to hear from other executives. And so having the invite come from someone who says, I, I'd like to um, I'd like to um, have you have this conversation with someone on our team. Um, it's just a different kind of conversation, but it gets introduced by the executive. Yeah, um, is also very effective. One one uh, last point that I'll make that I've uh, found effective recently is um, is also you know one way to try and figure out kind of the tentacles that your uh, your software might have is um, is trying to understand the data flow from your tool right so we're a community product you know so naturally one of the questions that I'm asking is where are you, where are you using community data to better impact your company. Maybe it's right. in your CRM tool. Maybe it's um, maybe it's paired with your renewal data. Maybe it's paired with uh, you know engagement level data and marketing. And so I'm trying to ask that question because then it kind of shows me: Are they just thinking about this as a kind of a point solution off to the side, or have they really integrated this data into the tech stack that says, "Hey, 
community data is actually really impacting, you know, our renewals and retention, or it's, hey, it's impacting our engagement rates with customers, or hey, it's, you know, hey, it's living in the CRM system so that everybody has access to it, like whatever it might be. But um, so I think that's also something for people to think about too, mm-hmm. is that um, a lot of times, like you said, we, we tend to think about asking questions about our tool specifically, and um, you kind of get in this realm, but if you can start thinking about, okay, where are we what else are we impacting? Cool. Now that opens up a totally separate set of questions that I can be asking, you know, what other tools are you, you know, what other types of data are you using to help, you know, make decisions around your renewals and, you know, brilliant. Oh, all of a sudden now I can go, Hey, I can be impactful to you because I hear that you're using our data for renewals. I know seven other customers that are doing that and you guys will all want to collaborate, you know, now. So I just, I think again, your whole, um, you know, line of work, you know, now is, is trying to ask, questions that elicit answers that we can actually absorb, respond to that are open-ended. And I think, you know, those are the types of things that actually help you connect customers um, at the end of the day as well, um, which I always see as a, a positive from this type of exercise as well. Cool. No, I like that idea. I really do. You, you could ask it in the reverse and say, if, if, if our, if we, if our platform went away, what would you lose? What data, what insights might you lose? You know, yeah. what, where would there be holes? Um, we don't always like to hear the answers to those things. <laughs> yeah. uh, we have to be we have to be a little courageous to ask that question because the answer might. But it gives you an opportunity to improve, to under, to learn and improve. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, Bob, I know um, we could talk about this for hours, and uh, yeah. thirty minutes just flew by. But um, I appreciate this. This is for, I don't know. There's always going to be a, another install. You're probably going to be the, the uh, person who comes on for the fourth time because uh, <laughs> I feel like there's so many little realms, but. I mean, I think just talking about the QBR was a good little um, hole that we went down there. And I think, you know, the the other one that I just calling out is, you know, how do you make sure and not uh, kind of overstep just your day-to-day contact, right? How do you kind of not insult them and think about ways that you can bring them with you in the right conversations? Um, so I enjoyed this. But if uh, if people want to find more Bob London, where can they do that? Strategic Customer Convos dot com c-o-n-v-o-s so it's different than my the the website that has my consulting stuff is different this one is the one that's dedicated there's insights on and tools free tools on how to have more strategic customer conversations um primarily for customer success but also sales and account management so that's kind of where i'm building up a lot of resource and insight so please go there and you can get a free cheat sheet that has all 16 questions and 12 listening tips and blah 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 so thanks I yeah, really perfect. This, Jeff. Yeah. We will. Uh, yeah, we'll link that. Uh, sorry for calling out chief listening officers at the beginning. Uh, wrong. No, no, wrong no, website. Not at all. Not at all. Um, but we will. We'll also link uh, strategic customer combos in our uh, description, so everybody can can uh, link out to it. And we'll uh, we'll also make sure everybody can, can connect with Bob on uh, LinkedIn. So awesome, Bob. Really appreciate it. And we'll uh, we'll enjoy, see you again here enjoy, soon. And, yes, and enjoy parenthood every step of the way. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate right, it. Well, take care. Alrighty. Bye. Hey, everybody, Jay here. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. You know, this started as a labor of love for Jeff and I a couple of years ago, and it's really turned into a movement around customer success and community, and we couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of it. Um, we grow this by word of mouth, so we'd, we'd love it if you're willing and you find value in what you hear on this podcast. Leave us a rating or a review on, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It'll help us grow and, and provide value to more customer success professionals. Also, if you haven't yet, please sign up for Gain, Grow, Retain, the online community. It's gaingrowretain.com. You can meet other people, make one-on-one connections, share ideas, get ideas, grow your career ultimately. Um, be on the lookout also for live events, both in person and virtual this year. We're excited to get back to that. 
And thanks for being part of the community. We look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you.